0: Welcome to A Great Light, the radio ministry of Pastor Larry Sterling, East Point Church of God. We invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. The Bible told us, tells us a story of this guy named Hosea, and Hosea is a prophet. Now, you've got to understand what this means. This isn't like, like kind of what we understand as prophet, where, where you're a, when, you, when you kinda, you're working in your field and you got slammed by the Holy Spirit, and now you're going to prophesy and all that. This is a prophet of God, which means he probably went to prophet school. Which they meant that they also had some kind of prophet regalia, some kind of prophet garments that he would wear to identify who he was when he would be into the community. This is this is somebody that would have been of high esteem, somebody that that have that the community would have looked upon and that would they would have sought out when they needed a word from God, because at that time the Holy Spirit had not been given to all people. And so there were certain isolated ones that God was upon. And one of them was Hosea, Hosea, I just saw you, Katie, is your baby here, you stand up and show the baby, I'm all about kids, you see that little guy, little, say, tell the church's name, Hudson, Hudson, all right, all right, isn't that wonderful, sorry, it's my ADD coming out, Saw so her sitting there. I'm thinking, I didn't see her earlier, and I didn't see that baby. Now, she's probably going to leave early because mamas do that, so it's all right. Anyway, back to the sermon. Hosea is a person of regal within the community, person of, of great standing. And so, as I'm talking about how I heard the story of Gomer and how, how little humorous it was to me, how I misunderstood the Lord until he corrected me about Mother's Day. As I, as I, you could imagine Hosea hearing God tell him, go find yourself a harlot, a prostitute to marry. You can imagine Hosea thinking, God, did I hear you right? Is this really who we're talking about here? This is somebody that is going to be out in the world. This is somebody, the epitome of, of worldliness in the eyes of God. And Hosea, Hosea did what the Lord had asked, and they bear a son called Jezreel. But then the next two children that this lady Gomer has, there's the word low in front of it, and it means no or not. And so what we are looking at is that he's not going to, the, the, the first one is gone that says low, this is not mercy. So we give the impression that is a good chance that this was not Hosea's child. We know Jezreel is, but we're not sure about the next two. And in fact, the last one, which says, not my son is his name. And he's saying, you're not going to be my people. We can pretty well determine that that's not Hosea's child. So here we are with a prophet of God being told by God to do something. And what we recognize of how the world looks at this. And and as the story goes on, we we make some assumption based upon clues within the text is that that it looks as if Hosea is that Gomer left Hosea after this third child was born. That she went back to her life and she went back to where she came from and she went back to that place and she went down to that place. But what we understand here is that in some level, in some way, there is the possibility that Hosea loved her. That Hosea loved her deeply and loved her because God put it within inside of him to love her. That God put the love, his love within his heart and that Hosea loved Gomer with inside of him. And so we find, we pick up the story in Hosea chapter three, verse one. The Bible says, Then the Lord said to to me, go again and love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. So now we're getting at the meat of this. He's saying, Hosea, go find your wife. Go find her. She's with somebody else. She's in adultery. She's gone. But go love her. That's powerful. Go love her. She, and he said, you know why I'm... I'm calling you to do this, Hosea. He said, because Israel loved me once, but now they're going after all these other gods. Israel followed me once, but now they're with other people. And so they love the pagan gods, they love, as what. the Bible says here. And so we find this passage in verse 2. Hosea chapter 3 verse 2. The Bible says that she, she wasn't actually, apparently something has happened between verse 1 and verse 2 because she was no longer with the man that was stated in verse 1. She was found, Hosea found her on the auction block. And he found her down. At a place where they were selling slaves, that he had gotten rid of her, and she was worn out, her use was worthless to him any longer. And so Hosea finds her and buys her back. Now, here what we find out is that I can, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna imagine for a little bit if you would bear with me. You could imagine Hosea in his prophet regalia, his prophet attire, walking in those robes and walking down to that auction block. And, and you, could, you can understand gossip because people gossip. And that people are, are looking and they all knew Hosea was coming. They all knew Gomer where she was. And you could probably imagine in your mind that there was probably a crowd that day. As they were wanting to see what Hosea was going to do. And they, as he was walking in, he probably, uh, certainly got word of her location. And he sought her out and found her there. And you could see the crowd in your mind's eye looking and expecting Hosea to publicly humiliate her to publicly chastise her, to publicly shame her, to publicly disown her. He has her life in the palm of his hands because what she has done, she is guilty of death according to that law. And if he walks down, and if he accuses her, and if he opens spectacly, shows her up in this world, in that moment, she will not be bought, she will not be sold, she will be killed and drug out by the, by by her hair or wherever, and brought her to the city gates, and the elders of the community will then take large stones and throw them at her until she's dead. And here this prophet who had married this woman, who loved this woman, and he is there, he has every right to have vengeance on her. He has every right to throw her away. He has every right to get rid of her, and she never returned anymore to his house. In fact, to kill her, and it's within his right, and he does the complete opposite. He walks into the place. And he buys her back. She should have died. But he bought her back. And it says he bought her for 15 shekels of silver. The Bible doesn't tell us whether or not anybody else bid on her or what. But what we do know is that he ultimately humbled himself. Now can you imagine in your eye, because you've got to get in their culture to understand the significance of this. When he is there standing there, she is probably unclothed. She's probably there in a complete and total shame and spectacle where she is. And you can imagine Hosea taking off his prophetic garment that he shows his esteem and shows his his community standing and pulling it off the outside of his body and putting it over her to cover her nakedness that her shame would not be exposed anymore you got to read hosea to understand this and how he picks her up takes her home and shows her that I still love you. You see, verse 3 says, and I said to her, he said, you shall stay with me many days, and you shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man, so too will I be toward you. You see, he wasn't going to make her stay. He just said, Just stay with me for a time. And as you see this, you say, why would God want to show this picture of love here? This picture of somebody that the world has thrown away. And the problem is, is that many times we throw people away today Many times the world, people get enticed by sin and they get enticed by wickedness and they they get enticed by the things of the world. They are tempted and drawn away, as the Bible says, by their own lust. And what they don't realize is the world is going to use them and abuse them and then throw them away to the auction block. That they're going to be out in the world and what they felt like when they were having a good time and they felt like they were enjoying the things of this life and enjoying the things of the world. What they were doing was destroying their bodies and destroying their mind and destroying their heart to the point that they were completely and totally lost and there was no hope and there's no escape and yet there's something that we don't that we just skip over we have to recognize something very powerful here god still loves them the bible says in hosea 2 what is god's purpose for all this the bible tells us in hosea 2:14 therefore behold I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. What is he saying? He said, Israel has left me. She went after other gods. Like, Gomer left Hosea and went after other men. But he said, I'm going to allow her to go into the wilderness. In fact, I'm going to be the instrument that brings her into the wilderness. What does that mean? I'm going to la- I'm she thinks that she's getting away with her sin. She thinks that she's getting away with all this. She thinks that all this is she's having fun, but she doesn't realize she's taking one more step in the wilderness, and I haven't forgotten about her. And the reason why she needs to go into the wilderness, because the wilderness means no word in Hebrew. It means that she's going out and she's walking further into the desert, further away from God, further away from the world, further what she felt like she was having a good time. She was actually drawing further and further into sin, and and she's losing her way. And when she finally gets to the point where she has no other place to go, then I'm going to tell her I love her. I'm going to tell her, The world has led you to this place. The world has put all this on your shoulders. The world has weighed you down. The world has covered you with all this pain and despair. But I want you to know that I have not forgotten about you. I have not forgotten about you. I want to tell you today in this room right now, there are people here that you may feel like God has forgotten about you. And you feel may feel like your circumstances are, are God's punishment towards you. You don't understand. God has allowed you to get to where you are so that he can show you how much he loves you and how much he cares for you and how much he can deliver you and set you free. The world says she's worthy of death. The world says he's worthy of death. The world says they they need to die in their sin. They need to die in their drug addiction. They need to die in their pain. They need to die in their sorrow and their depression. And God says, no, I'm going to speak to them. I'm going to speak over them. I'm going to give them one more chance. I'm going to reach out one more time. Why? Because the love that I have for them is greater than the sin that's in this world. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. You have not gone so far that God cannot pick you up. You have not gone so in the wrong direction that God cannot change your mind. You have not gotten so far away from the Lord that God cannot move and change and speak life to you and speak love to you. Hear me this morning. I've been stuck in my Private devotionals in the Song of Solomon. And a couple of key passages. But one of which describes God's love. Song of Solomon 8, 6 says this. Set me as a seal. Now You have New King James. I want to read it there. Set me as a seal upon your heart. As a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Now, go ahead and go back, sister. Look at verse 6, the last phrase there. A most vehement flame. The reason why that, that phrasing there is interesting, because it literally in Hebrew means, literally in me, Hebrew means the very flame of Of God he's got a fire in his eyes brother he's got a fire in his eyes the flame of God for you the flame of God the Bible says many waters cannot quench love neither can floods drown it if a man offered for love all the wealth of his house he would be utterly despised what is this meaning what is this description meaning for you today we have barely tapped into how much God loves it is described as the fire of God a fire that burns within the spirit of God that fire that cannot be quenched a fire that cannot be put out many many have tried to express this but that the Holy Spirit used this passage and I want to tell you that it is our call it is our duty it is our pr- privilege to go after God and go after the presence of God because God loves you. This fire. You see this, this Satan comes in and accuses you and says and says, they've sinned. They've, they've committed all these awful and egregious sins before you God. And God says yes but there's a fire in my spirit. There's a fire in my eyes. There's a fire and I'm not going to let them go until I have give them one more chance. I'm going to bring them to this place and show them how much I love them. Now, I want you to hear me this morning. I believe, prophetically speaking, God has taken this nation into the wilderness right now. I believe God is allowing us to go down paths that we've never even heard of before, and the reason why he's allowing it to happen is so that there's coming a day when he's going to show his arm, and he's going to show his strength, and the fire of God is going to one more time light up this place, that one more time, the presence of God, you see, you need not get fearful and you need not be distressed and you need not be concerned why? because God is still in control you can pray and you can fast and you can seek God Why he may be found but hear me today do not think that God does not know where we are and do not think that God has forgotten about us because I just read to you about a love that he has for his bride that he's not going to let her stay in the wilderness and be stuck out there and be lost and un done. He's got a plan for you. That we will stand together and we will, we will be in the presence of God. That God will be with us and God will cover us and God will bless us. You see, I, I believe he takes this serious. He didn't just leave us on our own. You see, the Bible tells us that Adam sinned in the garden and at that sin at the very beginning of the dawn of creation as he sinned he left the fellowship with God but that did not mean God stopped loving because in the moment that Adam sinned justice came to kill that's what the Bible says the wages of sin is death Justice came to kill Adam and Eve because God had decreed it. If you would eat of this tree, you will surely die. And so justice came at the moment that Eve and Adam partook of that fruit. But I can see in my spirit, God says, yes, justice, you need to come. But you don't need to come yet. He says, I want you to go 4,000 years into the future. And I want you to stand on a hill called Calvary and wait for me because I got a plan. Because she's my bride. And I'm not going to let her die. And so the Bible tells us that there was Jesus all the way through the Old Testament. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3:15 that Jesus is the seed of the woman that he would one day crush the head of Satan. In Exodus, you can find the image of Jesus as they Moses cried out and saw him as the Passover lamb, as he is a sacrificial lamb given to us. Leviticus, you can see the image of Jesus walking towards Calvary as he looks out and he is our high priest and that he is going to give the sacrifice to atone for our sin. In Deuteronomy, we see Jesus as the prophet that Moses prophesied that there would be a great prophet prophet. that would come one day to speak for God. In the book of Joshua you would meet him as the captain of the Lord's host the man Jesus Christ. In Judges you would see that he is the great judge that's going to deliver God's people and showing them the way to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ruth you're going to find him as the kinsman redeemer as one that's going to buy his bride back from the inheritance that she has lost. In David you're going to find him as the son of David In second Samuel the king that is going to be enthroned and descriptive of the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of kings you're going to see the glory of God filling the temple and in chronicles that glorious coming of the king where he steps out onto that place and the power of God filled it so strong that it could not even move the priest in the presence of God he is Jesus as the Lord of our fathers in Ezra in the book of Ezra and Job you see clearly that Jesus is still walking towards Calvary as he is our redeemer that Job saw. In Isaiah you find him as one that is given the glorious birth, that he's going to be born of the virgin, that he's going to come, and the strength and the power and the might, and the government's going to be upon his shoulders. Esther shows us that there's somebody interceding for his people, that he is going to show up in the book of Psalms as he shows over and over that he dwells with his people when they praise him. And when David began to sing psalms and the shepherd's psalm, that he would be that good shepherd that would lead you out of the wilderness back to where you need to be. But yet he has not shown up yet. It took 4,000 years to get him to the hill of Calvary. The Bible goes on. He described him in Jeremiah as he is one acquainted with sorrows. He's lovesick for his bride who longs for her to be right by his side. He is desperate for her and she is... out there wondering and he's not going to stop until he reaches her. Joel describes him as the hope for his people and the spirit that's going to come one day and pour out upon all people. The Bible says Amos tells us that he is the judge of the nations. When Amos saw him, he described him and said I see one walking to a hill somewhere and he's going to be a judge everywhere that he looks. Amos saw him. Obadiah told us, listen, there's a king coming. It's an eternal kingdom. How do I know? I saw somebody walking on the way to a place I don't know but I'm looking for. I'm looking for that hill. The Bible says Jonah he shows us a picture of somebody being stuck three days in the belly of a whale. Somebody being purchasing our salvation. Somebody lost. Zephaniah shows us that we're going to have a king over Israel. Zechariah that he's going to be a prophet who's going to be riding on On a donkey's colt, you're going to see the presence of God. And ultimately, Malachi is the one who calls him. He says he's the closest to the cross. And Malachi looks out, and he sees him coming on the horizon. And he says, I see him coming over there. He's the son of righteousness, and he's rising. And with healing in his wings, I see him. He's coming. He's coming. Justice stood there waiting patiently 4,000 years as Jesus walked the road of the Via Dolorosa through your scripture. Justice waited for God. Jesus said, I'm going to my bride. My fire is in my eyes. You're seeing evil riding everywhere. You're seeing evil into our land. You're seeing evil all through our world. But there stands Jesus. With fire in his eyes. There's coming an invasion of the presence of God. I believe this with all my heart. I believe he is moving people into places right now. There's coming a move of God that's going to sweep one more time. Like Samson. One more time. Our eyes may be plucked out. And we may not quite know where we are because it's not like the days of old. But if we can just put our hands on the pillar and get his presence one more time, we're going to push and when we push, we're going to see the presence of God unlike we have never seen before. And then we're going to see those, the bridegroom standing. One day you may be in your business and you may be in your house and all of a sudden, all at once, everybody that belongs to the king is going to hear their name in one moment in time. And you're going to hear the voice, like a voice of many waters, a voice so sweet that you cannot even imagine what it. Like you're going to hear a voice that's going to be so wondrous that the dead will actually wake up. You're going to hear a voice that is so consuming that it literally is the voice that created this world. You're going to hear that voice, and that voice is going to call your name, and you're going to catch your eye and see him standing there. And in a moment, in a twinkling of a grind, your feet are going to lose. To stay on this ground anymore as you rise to meet your Lord in the air and soul, we shall ever be with the Lord. But he's looking for a bride, he's looking for a bride. He's ready. He's ready, he's ready to search, seek him. Don't feel like, don't write off this country, don't write off this community, don't write off your family. Around and say no, we're not gonna we're have our four and no more, and we're just gonna watch this ship go down. No, 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 we're not doing that. We're gonna be on, we're gonna be on the offense because the Bible still says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The Bible still says that we're we're the head and not the temp. The Bible still says that we have power and we have great power through the Holy Ghost. The Bible still says that we have the authority. The us now more than ever before the world needs you now more than ever before the world needs the prayer warriors now more than ever before people that are unashamedly after the presence of god you've been listening to a great light the radio ministry of pastor larry sterling and east point church of god we're located at 379 avenue a east point florida Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Until next week, let's join together to spread the light of Christ.